What a beautiful time in God's presence. It's nothing, it's nothing like it. Sorry, I'll just get myself organised here. Oh. <laughs> All right, Mark. <laughs> um, well, I guess that slide there, it's pretty much the opposite to the week I've had. And um, we ended Wednesday after seven days of the, um, gastro bug going through the family as it does. They fall like flies and then they got better and then they got got it again or some, something happened with it. So Wednesday finally we were sort of all, all had all the kids at home still. Right, God had been sort of prompting my heart with what he wanted me to share over the last couple of weeks, um, sort of as I was just going about my day today. But I really needed a few or more than a few good hours to sit down and write it, get it on paper, you know, what was what was in my heart. And just with the amount of washing and vomit, <laughs> to say the least, I it was just not happening. And I was getting a bit frustrated in my spirit, but kept just praying as I went and said to Joe one day, boy, I've got a lot of time to pray while I'm hanging out washing and things, but I didn't have time to sit down and open my laptop. So Wednesday came and Right tonight is the night and John has worship practice, so that was great. He's out the way and um, I could have some time to get the boys to bed early and sit down and just be with God and my laptop. And lo and behold, I go out and lock the chickens away. About The boys are doing their teeth, getting ready for bed. About quarter to eight, sun was starting to go down. I turned on the water to fill up their water, chicken's water, and the whole tap blew off the whole top of the tap. Now, we're on tank water out in the sticks in Garfield and I saw all this precious rainwater that God had given us literally flying all over me <laughs> and running away and I did not know what to do. I'm like, I don't know what to do. John's not here. If you've been to our house, our neighbours aren't close. <laughs> you have to get in a car pretty much to visit them. I just was stuck. I'm just like going, oh, Brandon has boys, I, I do not know what to do. So I'm like, right, outside, everyone, everyone in the car, I'm, I'm dripping wet. The water had gone all over me. They're like, oh, cool, does that mean we get to stay out? I'm like, I, don't know, I don't know what that means, just get in the car, we're going. So we drove one way down to the one neighbour, um, pressed the button, big gates open, we drive in, no one's home. I said to the boys, I hope we can get out of here. Press the button, good, the gate's open. Um Came out right. I tried the other neighbour to the farm behind us. Tried the driver. The house is pitch black, but I just see a little glimmer. Maybe the TV was on, and I'm dripping wet in my pajamas, my teddy bear pajamas, pink. Boys hanging out the window because they didn't have to have their seatbelts on. And I got into the door. I never met this guy before. I said, "Oh hi." <laughs> he comes out. I'm Laura. <laughs> And um, Mark said to me this morning, perhaps <laughs> you were the wrong girl he called that, <laughs> that night. <laughs> Wasn't sort of expecting the teddy bear pyjama girl to turn up, maybe the silky one, but anyway. <laughs> saying they're in the dark and I'm like, I'm wet. I'm Laura. I'm from the property in front of you. How are you going? Nice to meet you. I've got a problem. Anyway, cut a long story short. He came, brought his ute down. Uh, turn the pump off, fix all the tap and the boys are running around with spotlights having great fun hiding by the chickens and brought them in um, inside and it was 
the night had gone, <laughs> like literally gone. And they got out their drawing and were like, oh, we get to stay up. And that was just, I just feel so excited. We got to play Spotlight. And they were like, no, <laughs> it still means bed. Go, go. It took me ages to get them to bed. So it was getting quite late and I was just so tired. I'm like, God, <laughs> I just want to sit down and <laughs> soak in you and write my sermon. That's all. That's all. Anyway. Sort of happened bit by bit as the week went on. It got busier and busier. But um, here's my message. And um, who knows what it says, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I've got a slideshow, so hopefully that leads us somewhere. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for what you have already done in our hearts and you want to continue, Lord. You want to continue to speak. And aside from crazy weeks and whatever has been happening, even this morning, we thank you for who you are and what you want to say to each of us today. You have a special message just for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Selah, pause and breathe. Can everyone just do that? Just take it. Isn't that just nice? Sit in church, be in God's presence and to pause and breathe. That word sort of sort of a little bit unknown what it exactly means but it is through the psalms and it does mean something like in worship take a pause or a but I'm sort of it's today it's just take a pause reflect on God who God is and breathe sometimes we just need to breathe I certainly um, have done this week this is going to be the essence of what I'm sharing today we're going to pause and I just might need this raised up so I'm not sort of looking too far down. I'm not as clever as Mark and don't need notes and stuff. <laughs> We're going to allow, give us time to meditate and reflect on our current series, A Revolution of Love. In fact, that's the core of who we are as a church. That's our vision, a revolution of love. And Mark started some weeks ago with a bit of a series on love and we heard the... Um, who we are to be in in our world, you know, with the good the, the Samaritan story, and then he went on to share about loving the Lord your God with all your heart. And we've had a few sort of sermons in a similar light over those weeks, and it's just been beautiful just to see the the, the passion and the heart of this church coming through. And I hope that yeah, you've been really um, blessed and just inspired in those messages. They've been challenging our hearts so much and taking the focus off the me and placing it on him, our Heavenly Father. We simply cannot walk away from what we have heard unchanged. While we are sitting here breathing, I hope you're still breathing. Just keep that up. You don't need to tell you to breathe. Um, I'm going to share a little story because it's nice to have stories while we're pausing, isn't it? When <clears throat> We um, heard this story while we were in the Philippines. We went to the Philippines this year in May and June but we also went for a honeymoon back in 2004. This is Tita Indai. Tita is auntie in the Philippines, so we called her Tita Indai. And um, John probably hasn't really seen this lady sort of on and off through his life because he moved to Australia when he was very little. But this is his auntie, so his mum's older sister. I think she's the oldest kind of one, oldest uh, female sister. Um Back in 2004, we were sitting around a big table and she, in, she's got very bad English, but she was sharing a story with us that John had never heard in his life. So, of course, I'd never heard it. His mum had failed. 
to give quite an important piece of information to him for, for whatever reason maybe but as you hear the story maybe it makes sense as a mum why you might not share that with your son. So she told us that actually his mum did not have him with her um, for the first little bit, first couple of years of maybe 18 months of his life. So he um, was born in Manila. His mum was a bit of an unfortunate situation and she couldn't have him. And she had to prove to the family that she could work and sustain a child before basically the family would let her have him. So the mum was on another island in Manila and this auntie put a hand up and said, I'll take him, I'll look after him. So basically he went to a totally different island for the first, at that time we thought it was about 18 months and was raised by her and she'd got herself sort of sorted and was able to have her son back. So if you think as a mum or dad or whatever, you know, you, you get your child back at 18 months, you sort of missed a whole lot and John's like, well, that's kind of important in my early days. When we went back this year, we got more of the story. We thought we'd heard enough, but we sat down with her again. She shared a little bit more about because of her English. But we met. So Tita Indies, this is her daughter, Nung Marilyn, and her son, what do you say? Michael. Michael, yeah. So Marilyn and Michael. So this is Tita Indies' children being John's first cousins. So... Um, we went to Marilyn's house for dinner and she began to weep. I'm going to try not to because <laughs> that's not really what I wanted to sort of get across. But she held John's hand and started to cry. We heard from her that in fact it was three years they had had him. So that's my little Malachi. I finally, you know, get him back at three. This girl was in college. She was 19 at that time. She tended to John at night, would get up to him as a newborn baby. Tita Indai had gone on a ship basically to Manila to pick up this newborn baby John from the mum, brought him back on a ship to the, the very southern island, Cebu, to her family. So Marilyn was 19. She was the oldest and she was in college and so she was juggling getting up to this baby and doing college, Michael was five, very high needs with Down, um, Down syndrome. So this, and there was actually seven in between. So this Tita Indai had nine children, had left them, gone on a ship to get this newborn baby, had come back, little John's here. Her neighbours and her people around her said, don't do it. Don't. They had advised her, do not take on a newborn baby, but there was nobody else. And what do you do for family? So she took on, uh, um, took on John in this, this home where Michael was pretty much 24-7 care. He still is. He's 41, the most. <laughs> no, sorry. Whatever. No, th no, sorry, not that old. But however old he is, he's still like a baby. He's just the gorgeous. But there's this connection between him and John that, who knows, but the first... John's first three years, they'd have been like brothers, you know, mucking around together and playing as toddlers. And so that was a really beautiful story. And she just, Marilyn held John's hand and cried. She has not seen him since he was three, since he went back to his mum. And I think, I don't know, but I'm, I'm putting two and two together, but she felt lost at that time. It was like her baby had been taken away, even though her mum had taken John on. She was really the carer. And she actually 
we sort of added up the years, went out and had a baby with this guy. And um, so this love child was there sitting in the room and similar age to John, sort of maybe th- you know, three or four years younger. So it's just um, it was a whole sequence of events that, that we heard about. We'd never heard it before. And it was amazing to hear about. And John was like, whoa. <laughs> no, I wasn't with my mum for those three years. And they're such significant, significant times. But just to see, I guess, the pain in this Marilyn's face when, when she was holding John's hand saying, I, I didn't want to let you go. So hearing Tita Indai and Nung Marilyn's story has certainly impacted our family in many ways. The love and the kindness of family, the unselfishness despite being told she shouldn't do it, the fact that someone invested into John's life at a young age brings us to such an attitude of thankfulness. If she hadn't come forward to take John on, who knows what the outcome. So they were quite pivotal and um, perhaps his journey might have been, you know, quite different. Who knows? It's an amazing story and it will remain one that is close to the heart of our family. We still don't know sort of why the mum withheld it, but yeah, there was a reason. It's not the details of this story that I necessarily want you to take away. You can do that if you like, but more the bigger picture of this simple exchange of information. This story answered many questions and filled some gaps in time. Things we just hadn't known had ever happened and perhaps something we would have never thought to ask about. Hearing Tita Indai's journey with John in his early years was beautiful the way the family was intertwined in his life and stepped up at possibly a great cost. Her marriage ended up, the husband has left and you know, with nine children plus a newborn, we don't know sort of what happened there but it was cost, it came at cost. As we are, um, sorry, some lights came on, new insights were revealed and greater understanding came as we listened and took these words into our hearts. As we are pausing this morning and taking a breath, I would like us to be challenged about seeing Sunday morning messages, sermons, whatever you'd like to call them, in this similar light. During messages or sermons, the word of God is spoken it's ex- and exposed, given by God through the lips of his servant. Often here it's Mark, might be somebody else, but they are the lips of his servant. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, as we take in a message, something happens in our heart as we allow God to move the message from head to heart. Sometimes it's like a light comes on. Like that story we heard, so sometimes listening to a message, it's like a light does come on for us and just a bit more of God's heart is revealed. Something more about his character or even just some plans that he has for us. Or finally, just something just made sense, something we've never got before. Just, oh yeah, just made sense. Just like John's early years, through what the aunties and cousins shared, we were able to piece a bit more of the puzzle together and make sense of the circumstances. And I know they have not only been inward but also outward benefits of this. I'm not today implying that mess, that sermons are the be-all and end-all of church. We kind of come to expect them, but it's not the be-all and end-all of our Christian life. But perhaps God does really have a vital place for them in our lives more than we may realise. We sort of get into the routine and the motions and, okay, yep, sermon time, it's, it's coming up. But I believe that it's, 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 it's deeper than this. After all, a pastor doesn't spend hours on end preparing week after week just for nothing. But 
what I hear in this place has to make a difference when I walk out there. Otherwise, it is pointless. The, the, the pastor's hours of work is pointless. But that is a revolution of love. <clears throat> when we come to church on a Sunday morning, we know that here at Catalyst, we may find something just a little bit different each week in the service. We may find the chairs are facing a different way. Sorry, I didn't read that verse before, but yeah, before the verse with the, the um, his word being a lamp. It, yeah, I think you got it. <laughs> the worship might vary here as we come in the door. Our prayer times vary. Something's different every week. And how we present the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ, it might be different. Morning tea is always different, you know, something something's different. But one thing you can be confident about when you walk in the door of this place, one thing you can guarantee is whether it be through a sermon message, whatever you want to call it, testimony, all of the above, all, all together, however it is, it is happening for that week, you will hear the truth of the word of God spoken, who is Christ and the Holy Spirit in all his power is allowed to have the freedom to move in this very place as we've already experienced this morning. I personally... I'm so grateful for this and I never want to take that for granted. John and I came from the church before this, a church where in our second year there we rarely needed our Bibles, didn't sort of need to bring them. Maybe some of you have experienced that. The pulpit was used as a place to place blame and guilt on the congregation. Now obviously that was stemming from somewhere but for just your normal congregation member, to hear that week after week being taken on a guilt trip for whatever was a really awful, really damaging and a really sad place to be. As we were youth pastors there and we knew we eventually had to ask some questions and unfortunately we had to walk away. Churches are not perfect places because they are full of people. But I can't pretend that that journey was not hard. Last year I said to Cheryl when we were new at Catalyst, I don't want to be here and I don't want any friends. That was at church camp. But that didn't really go that well. <laughs> but the power of the word of God from the pulpit, when it's abused, it's so damaging. And I am so thankful that the word of God that is preached in this place, it's alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's from Hebrews 4.12. That is powerful. It's not just someone sort of thinking up during the week something they might make the church feel a bit happier that week or, you know, just to keep everyone happy. It is powerful and I am... I just can't express how thankful I am for what we hear and I don't want to walk out unchanged for just week in, week out. <clears throat> I love what we hear, especially in our messages. I love all, all of it, but it's life-changing and it's relevant. It is relevant. Sermons are not outdated. It's relevant because it, the gospel is relevant. It spurs me on. I hope it spares you one too. The Holy Spirit is free to move and to speak. So with our really great Bible-based sermons we have here, giving us that bigger picture in our lives or even just turning that light on, how can we respond? Um, 
oh, Nikki's not here, but Brett fell asleep in hers. That's a, that's one way. <laughs> he won't mind. He's not here. It's <laughs> me sharing that. Um, how else? Actually, this is how we might respond. I'm not sure if I need to go. Hi, Mark. <laughs> that was your personal best today. Almost a 10. I might tithe because it was pretty good. <laughs> Is that how we respond? We kind of rate it and I don't know, Dale referred to that the other week. Uh, it's a little bit average today, Mark, so sort of don't deserve my tithe. But yeah, it's, it's kind of even sometimes we might not even realise that we may even have that attitude just sort of basing a Sunday morning on how Mark's gone or whoever's gone, you know, up the front. And it is not that because he and whoever is speaking is bringing the word of God to us and we take that seriously. It's not about him at all, but he's a good guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You might use church to update Facebook get your high score on Candy Crush, whatever you might do through the sermon, that is completely up to you. But today my challenge is how might God want us to respond in a new light, in a new way. In a, You might have, like, we're going camping after this, I could sort of, oh, quickly try and rush through and really got to pack the trailer and really got to go, but it's raining, so anyway. <laughs> um, that's where my mind could be. Your mind might be somewhere completely else, but I don't want us to abuse when the word of God is preached here in this place. So, another option, maybe to soak it in, pause and breathe and let your heart be changed, renewed, healed, be radically revolutionised by Christ. And that is a theme we've had um, quite a lot of late. And I, who was it? Nikki sheds, you know, what a revolution is radical, it's messy, it's... It's great. You may have heard the verse a million times, the pastor's getting up to preach. You might have just heard that many sermons on it. You may have heard a similar sermon somewhere else and kind of compare. But you just don't know if there is something new that God may want to say this very day, no matter how many times you have read that verse, or if it's just something completely new because God's word is alive. It's not sort of, you know, dead and just says one thing to you 10 years ago and that's that verse done, right, learnt from that. It's new this this very day. So over the past couple of weeks dealing with spew and flooding and whatever else, what I felt God saying is let's stop, let's pause, let's breathe, sailor. It's a beautiful word. Take a little moment to reflect as a response today. This is our opportunity. I believe the messages we hear at Catalyst have the power to change lives here in this building, but more importantly, beyond. They aren't empty words because they are Holy Spirit inspired and from the Word of God. They help us understand a detailed picture of who Jesus is. And just like listening to John Zanti gave us a full picture of his life, so let's take a few moments to look back over the past month. I'm not necessarily raising anything new today. That's not God didn't want me to raise a new part of Revolution of Love today. He was saying to me today, pause. So I am going 
maybe God challenged us on that day when we heard a sermon some weeks ago and now we have forgotten. Or maybe we just never, God said something that morning and you never did anything with it. And let's rehash some words we've heard recently. Now, Mark, I'm not going back to your revolution of love one and two. Not for any reason. It, they were good, but just, just for time. <laughs> so... How, oh, sorry, I should have gone to that. But so how do we respond? This is how we respond. We are rehashing. Okay. A month ago, I know that was ages, Daryl Hargraves got up. Some of you may, may not have been here. He shared, I am a carrier of Jesus. Doesn't matter if you weren't here, just take it in. And um, so does anyone remember what Daryl's point was or a challenge that happen on that morning. It's all right, I'll give you some answers. So just out of interest. And Daryl is here, so it might be good for someone to say something. <laughs> yep, infectious, contagious, wonderful words he used, very vivid. What was it? Cold sore story. I can't forget that one. What was that, Tabitha? Sorry? Yeah. So Daryl said, um, so these are just some key key things that Daryl said. Over time, has our infection with Christianity scabbed over? Has it? Have we come kind of, you know, a bit complacent about our Christianity? If I am a carrier of Jesus, then why are the people around me not getting infected? Like, I'm not giving the answer here. Daryl didn't necessarily have the answers. But why? Why aren't they getting infected? Have we taken the one infection the world really needs and hidden it inside the church? Have we listened to those sermons and been captured in worship and sort of left it here and off we go on our merry little week? <clears throat> so that was, that was really powerful, Daryl. And he went on to say, we are the elected representatives of Jesus with a mandate of love. There it is, that word. We have a mandate of love. Jesus' platform was love. Stand up for what you believe in as a Christian because you never know who you will infect. That was powerful, Daryl. Um, and I'm just going to share a few more sermons. But what we're going to do at the end is you're going to choose one of these sermons and you can either sit by yourself or grab someone else and you're going to wrestle with some verses, tell, talk to the person, other person about how maybe God challenged you that day or sit by yourself, whatever you want to do with it, but you're going to choose one of them. So just have a little think as we go. And if that sermon you remember that day resonated with you, you're going to get another opportunity to, to do something with it. So Tanya was the week after, love versus fear. Who remembers what Tanya shared that week? She's not here, so it doesn't matter if you don't remember. No. <laughs> That's right. Perfect love drives out all fear. Yeah, unconditional. Love is patient and kind, does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude, is not selfish, not resentful, does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Love bears all, believes all, hopes all and endures all things. There's that love message again. That is how God loves us. Exactly. It doesn't just skip a few, you know. That is entirely how God loves us. The word of God says it so we can, we can believe it. Oh, there's my slides there. That's cool. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, God's revelation's good. 
God's love is not airy-fairy. That's what Tanya said. I remember that bit. Fear stops us from loving the way that God loves us. There's that verse. Perfect love drives out all fear. Tanya shared a testimony about she, she just hated her voice. And that was just, she actually thought that God made a mistake with her and that she wasn't worthy in any way. And she just had such a fear relating to that voice and from speaking to people. So she challenged us, what fear is holding us back from loving others? And maybe that day when Tanya spoke, God sort of said something to you about something in your life and you kind of went, yeah, no, that fear's all good. I'll just keep holding on to that because it makes me feel comfortable. Um, and that, around that week, um, I... And it was a little bit earlier, but that sort of cemented in where God was taking me with my personal fears. And it's been a journey for me to get over our past experience and sitting under um, untrustworthy leadership. But God has taken me on that journey. And just this since we've moved to Garfield, I joined the PNF committee. And that was huge for me because I was so fearful of people, what they thought of me, that they might let me down, that I might let them down from a past experience. That... To, to do that was just huge. And now I am mixing mostly with non-Christians. All week I was spent all day yesterday at a barbecue at Kill Your Up Safeway with all the mums from the school and none of them are even close to stepping in foot in the church. But God has me there and I cannot let fear hold me back from doing what he wants to do in that community. And um, so Tanya, her message, yeah, that was great that week. So that was good encouragement for me. Maybe it was for you too. Nikki, what's your fragrance? Now that video clip, if you were here, she shared. <laughs> um, it was very powerful, that guy just doing what he was doing, playing his guitar in the park and a homeless guy came up and they did the most beautiful rap kind of worshipful song together. That guy's, and that guy's fragrance was just beautiful. It was just oozing Jesus. So what did what did you might have got out of Nikki's sermon that week if you were here? If not, that's okay. Don't have to pretend, but I remember that one. Remember she had the impulse bottle? <laughs> For we are to to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Two Corinthians two fifteen. That's a really clear kind of command isn't it for we are to be the pleasing aroma but how do we do that how how do we get to that stage where people are infected by us because of our aroma see how these sermons really link together that's why they're beautiful because God's message to us is it's so alive worship is a life that has sacrificed its flesh and this is what bears the evidence and gives our life that fragrance that's words from nikki that's exactly what she said so a worshipful life sacrificing the flesh this is what bears evidence and gives our life that fragrance it's not anything we can do by by ourselves if you were put on trial, this is what Nikki said as well, if you were put on trial for your faith and your expressions of love were the only evidence in that courtroom, what would be the verdict? That was a pretty challenging question Nikki posed that day. What is the evidence of love in your life? And prior to last year, I would have had very little evidence and that really scares me because of where I was at. And, and holding on to perhaps 
being let down and past hurts. So I quickly had to get out of that because I had no <laughs> no evidence and that's that's not good. So what expressions of love because of what Jesus has done in our life uh, can people see each and every day? What's the world seeing? What Daryl said, what are they what are they seeing? What clues in your life would be an expression of your love for Jesus? What is your body odor like? Okay. <clears throat> Everyone said lots more than I've got on these slides, by the way. I've just had to summarise them. <laughs> Otherwise, we might never get camping. <laughs> All right, Mark, I did use one of your sermons because they are really good. <laughs> All right, Mark did a um, third part of the revolution of love, which, which I have seen has underpinned a lot of what we've heard anyway, no matter what title it's got. But I wasn't here last week. What did Mark say? What did he challenge us with as a church? Something to do with the word F. <laughs> Was that you? Very good. <laughs> okay. I was encouraged to listen to this sermon on a podcast online and you can do that. If you listened to a sermon, even if you were here that week, go and listen to it again if God challenged you because there's some good stuff and you might, oh, what was that verse again? Go back and listen to it and I've even noticed some, the, you can see the PowerPoints there too. Um, so walking in the favour of God. God's favour in my life and yours is the guarantee of God's presence to accomplish his purposes in my life. That's cool. That was, that was fantastic. Favour is not getting blessed through your own abilities or actions. We are living under God's favour now. We're not waiting for riches or something to happen or I've just got to have this big house where I can bring people in and then love them and then like God's favour is here right now, whatever you are going through. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favour as a shield. That's a beautiful, it's a it's, um, beautiful visual we get, a shield. Respond to God's favour by being obedient to what he has called us to do. Stick out the tough times and don't run. Being a favour finder sets you free to know that you don't have to manipulate your life in order to see God's blessings. Some um, good points there. It's really amazing to soak those in actually and see what they really mean for our life. God's presence and power are favour. So what if, if God touched you this morning or yesterday or that's God's favour in your life. We, we look for it in weird ways sometimes, don't we? But it's here. Favour draws you deeper into him. And I think that's sort of the key of all the, the revolution of love and what underpins this church drawing us deeper into him so out there it's different we are making a difference because at the moment and some of those words Darius are the the community and inoculated against (laughs) against us and the the selfishness that's um that's portrayed through the media that's that's what society wants to hear about the me but no it's all it's about Jesus and the only way that we can share that out there and, and be any any different, not just like Joe Bloggs next door, is if we are drawn deeper into him. 
So today we have taken a little pause. I haven't necessarily presented anything new besides a little bit of John's life because that was new for us too. We've taken a breath, an opportunity to reflect on, of the, on the revolution of love and what God may be saying. Each week, just as our life was changed by listening to John's auntie, each week we have the opportunity to see our lives changed here in this place and not just go through the motions and do church for the sake of it. Oh, that was the, yep, good sermon today, yep. Let's wrestle over what was spoken in that sermon, over the verses, encourage each other with it. And um, as we've been reminded of the value of hearing the word of God on Sunday mornings, and remember, it's not only through sermons this happens, it's, it's a big part of it. Let each, let's each of us choose one of these sermons, or even if you'd liked it one earlier from the year, think about that one. Did God challenge you on that morning to take action and you didn't obey? Did the sermon resonate with where you were at and a light came on? Did you not even understand it at all and you want to have another look at it? Maybe you weren't even here that week. Think, so choose one of the sermons, find another person or sit on your own. We're only going to do this just for a few minutes and I've just, um, I'm just going to put those main questions from each of those slides on a loop. So if you just want to um, be reminded, how could you apply that this week in your life? How could you be changed because of what God had said, said to you today? Share this with someone else, share it with God, whatever. Or maybe you did apply something from one of those sermons and something amazing happened. Just sit there and share that with someone else or praise God for it. Maybe you were, you were obedient. That's just beautiful. So what's God saying when he speaks to you today? So I've got somewhere a few pieces of paper. Person next to you on your own, just find a space. Um, so each of those, they're just going to loop. And if you just want to be a reminder of that verse, look, look it up. But what has the revel- how has the Revolution of Love series that we have heard changed your life? Because if it hasn't, we've got a serious problem. But if you are open to it changing your life, if you're even vaguely open, then we are on the right track. <laughs> so we're just going to, yeah, just... Pause, take a breath, take a ref- have a moment of reflection and then we will close. So come and grab a piece of paper. I do have... Text. We better finish or there might be a mutiny rather than a revolution. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that you are a God that's all about love. A love that's not self-seeking but sacrificial. And Father, I pray that you would train us and teach us as your people to give our lives away freely and to to be true servants that just love on others. And, Father, part of that is loving you. And because we love you the way that we do, we will naturally love others. It'll It'll just be who we are. We can't help it because of the love that you've poured into our lives and our hearts. So, Father, thank you for this revolution that's happening. And, Lord, continue to take us deeper into that expression of your love through our life, Lord, in the practical ways. Lord, help us to be very conscious that everywhere you're sending us and positioning us is an opportunity to love on people in some way, shape or form. So, Father, help us to do that. And, Lord, continue to take us deeper into you because we know, Lord, when we are more like Jesus, it'll be our mandate 
for sure. We won't be able to help but love people and bless them. And so, Lord, that's our prayer as a church, individually and corporately, Lord, that we would be known for our love. And so, Lord, I thank you for all the, the great messages that we've had. But, Lord, transform them into action, I pray. Don't let us just be people of information and then get stagnant. But we want to apply all that you've taught us so that, Father, we truly are living out that life in a radical way uh, of expressing your love to a hurt, needy world. So, Lord, I want to pray that you would bless each and every one here today. Lord, thank you for some of us have a bit of a holiday tomorrow. And, uh, Lord, we look forward to being together again on Tuesday for a great day as a church. So, Lord, just bless our time of fellowship as we share our lives together and a bit of food and coffee and tea, Lord. Just continue just to be in our midst, Lord. We want to continue to walk in your presence and your favour and we thank you for our great time together today. In Jesus' name, amen.